1: Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Deep Dive, an all-music books podcast. Today is our 50th episode of Deep Dive. Wow. We thank you all for listening. So for this occasion, we're going to stretch out a bit today and try something a little bit different. While not a music book, we'd like to talk about a real-life music story that is unfolding before our very eyes. In the COVID era, One of the things I see and hear most on social media these days is, I miss live music, or I can't wait to get back to going to concerts. You guys are all avid music consumers, as are the other Steve and I, and I also cannot wait for the return of live music, but I do feel it's going to be a while. As veterans of the music industry, we both are acutely aware of the hardships these times have presented, I've talked a bit about my label side experience as a creative director and listeners have occasionally heard from our engineer, the other Steve, the mighty full sound and his experiences behind the board, both in the studio and even more so on the road, most notably 17 years with Melissa Etheridge and seven with John Hyatt. We both continue to freelance in what we do, but nowhere is it tougher than the family of people behind the scenes who make our live experiences so cool and so memorable. Performers have admirably found new ways to perform online, but the men and women who do the sound, the lighting, keep the instruments tuned and safe, and generally build the stage, the platform, and overall experience do not have that option. That's the simple reality of today's music story. So what we're going to try and do today with your help is to try and write a better ending to this story. Today, we have two guests joining us. We have Sandy Espinoza, who's a longtime audio and production figure in the music industry. She has a remarkable backstory and is the person who founded RoadieCare.com, an organization dedicated to providing food for those in need, as well as medical and mental health referrals for these folks who have made sure that the shows always come off and need our help now. Also joining us is Master Luthier Tom Weber a longtime guitar tech for Eddie Van Halen, who also owns his own guitar repair shop and has for 25 years. Welcome, Sandy, and welcome, Tom.
0: Thank you very much for having us.
1: Thanks so much for joining us. Sandy, as I mentioned, I'm going to start with you. You've been in the music industry for a long time, and we had an interesting conversation about how young you were when you started. Can you fill our listeners in on the amazing backstory that I referenced? Uh, I was 12 when
0: I... I worked in lighting for the first time. I ran my first spot. From then on, I was hooked. My uncle was head sound man. I have to find it very odd, as you know, I'm here on location because my own internet is a little dodgy where I'm at. And I'm sitting here in front of my favorite store, and somebody is, oddly enough, playing my way on a Korean. I mean, what are the chances of this, right? Only in Los Angeles. So anyway, um, I was 12 during my first Fall of spot gig. My uncle was head sound man for MGM. I grew up on the backlots of MGM, literally. And I made my allowance um, reading his scripts and writing coverage. So I had grown up the entire time. His first movie was Boys of Oz that he started off in, Apprenticing. And the last movie he was in on was the one that Natalie Wood died in and they brought him out of retirement for that. So he had quite a career, and I had a lot of scripts to read. He wanted me to follow him into the the studios, and that was certainly an option. But I also was going to vet school. That was sort of my career path that I thought I was going. And, (laughs) no, I decided I wanted to go do rock and roll tours instead. My uncle was understandably not pleased because he would have brought me into the studios, but, I just wanted to, I wanted to, there was something about the music that I really wanted to be part of the industry. And at that time, there was only just a handful of women back when I started, maybe, I think I was maybe number 12 or 13 worldwide as a tech. It was definitely exciting, definitely interesting, it's certainly different than it is now.
1: Well, that leads me to my next question. You obviously know this business well, Sandy. Do you recall when you all realized on your side of the business that COVID was not going away anytime soon?
0: I think we figured, well, March 13th is the day that we pretty much that our entire industry pancaked. From March 13th on, we kind of wondered if it was coming back this summer. And as it didn't happen in the summer, uh, we were wondering if it was happening in the fall, but the likelihood of it was getting less and less. And certainly the later on in the year it was more likely it wasn't coming back, at least not last year. And as we know, it's Definitely most likely not coming back this year.
1: Yeah, although I saw something here in Boston where they said midsummer music plans, and I just shook my head thinking, no way.
0: Massachusetts, for some reason, has signed something. I understand as of last night, they signed something where cap was 50% of venues. I don't know why and, and why I'm Massachusetts first, but that's what they're saying. I don't know how long or if that's just a toe in the water. I'll be interested to see how it turns out, though.
2: They also canceled Boston Calling the same day.
0: Oh, did they? Oh, oh <laughs> yeah. wow.
1: As I dug into your story, it seems to me that taking things into your own hands and attacking problems comes quite naturally to you. Can you tell us how RodyCare.com came into being?
0: Being the only woman, for the most part, either on tour or in my own shop, I was the only woman with 800 guys with the third largest sound company in the world. Everybody always came to me if there was a challenge or a problem or a question or an issue or something. And uh, it just seemed to be natural that that's continued on for the last 30 plus years. When in March this happened, I started getting phone calls from people going, my tour has been canceled, what do I do? For a lot of people, this was going to be, or last year, I should say 2020 was going to be the year that people put money in their retirements or paid off their houses. It was going to be a positive year because everybody was going to be so busy. And when that wound up not happening, people started panicking because they had put off other tours, which they didn't wind up happening either. So there was no plan B, especially when people were on lockdown and nobody was sure if they could get unemployment. Unemployment wasn't happening for some people or their unemployment got snagged in the system, whatever the issue was, they couldn't feed their families. And at that point, I said, you know what? Something has to be done. And I reached out to friends of mine, some more well-off than others, but everybody I asked helped as much as they could. Some would adopt a roadie, which was something that I have on my site called Adopt Roadie. You go to adopteroady.com and it wound up going back to my site. And uh, some people, whether it was a single or a family or it depended entirely on the person and the need, there were a lot of people with a lot of need. So some people would adopt some singles, some people would adopt families, some people would adopt a multitude of everything. And we got through last year pretty much with that, pretty personally, between friends' businesses and just friends' singular The wonderful thing about it, it was all done anonymously. So if anybody ever works with anybody again, nobody knows. So nobody feels weird about it. Going forward, some people had more need than others. And um, I've known Tom for a very long time, as well as Danny O'Neill, who were both spotlighted on the site. They both were in danger of losing both their homes and their businesses. I said, you know what, something needs to be done here. So I put up Adopted Roadie and put them both up. Certainly, Tom has been with a host of very well-known people. Most recently, Eddie Van Halen's personal tech. Danny has been with Matchbox 20 as well as Slayer, the Moody Blues, and they're a spot lit on the site right now with their own personal GoFundMes. Tom was able to go ahead and take his story to the Van Halen areas where they've been overwhelmingly really supportive because they know I believe in my heart. That's what Ed would have wanted. And certainly Tom can address that much better than I can.
1: Yeah. Let's pull Tom in because Tom, uh, is it safe to assume that you have spent most of your career on the road? Yes. I'm at,
3: well, 2020 would have been, I would have been into my 47th year on tour. I started a million years ago, basically as an audio technician, I've done shows with everybody from Bob Seger to Ted Nugent to Montrose and on down the line as an audio guy, and then became an audio engineer. Never gave one thought to being a guitar technician. Until my son was born, I came off the road and opened up a guitar repair shop in Cincinnati, Ohio, that uh, over a 26-year period grew to be... The largest guitar repair facility in the country, at least to my knowledge. The whole COVID thing for me, or the whole situation revolving around uh, COVID for me, started well before the COVID pandemic. 2016, the building that I was in was sold, and the folks that bought it who had been saying, you know, we're not going to change your ramp, don't want you to move, the this, the that, the other thing. Um, it didn't quite go that way. And uh, they uh, came in two, two days after they took possession of the building, said, you have 30 days to downsize to 4,000 square feet. And I had a week and a half before I had to be in Japan with Journey. Packed all of the very best stuff into the 4,000 square feet and got on an airplane, went to Japan. Came home. The next day, got the emails. We think the shop space and the utilities, eh, it's going to run you about $9,000 a month. So we had 19 days left before the end of the month to vacate. Pack the rest into what space I could find. And then COVID, you know, yay, a couple of sparse years touring. And then here we are, 2020 was going to be the best year of my life. I wasn't going to be home, busy enough to have to duplicate tools like three times so that I could be in at least two places uh, within 24 hours, because that's how busy I was. And it all disappeared. It doesn't take very long when you're not bringing in the kind of money that you're used to bringing in to realize that you really don't have a whole lot of choices when it comes to what bills to pay and what not. Put the house into forbearance because we could and uh, prayed for the best. And now we're coming to the end of that period. But through Sandy's efforts, there's a bunch of us that really would be in a lot worse situations than we are. And we have to help spread the word. There's literally millions of us that are in the same boat, don't have a sense of direction. The whole industry was washed off the face of the planet, and we don't know if it's coming back, much less when Here we are. We're talking to you guys and hoping to spread the word, hoping to get people involved.
1: So, Tom, you've mentioned how roadycare.com has helped you out. You have a GoFundMe site. I'm going to ask all of our listeners now to go look at the roadiecare.com site. There's a variety of ways which you can help these folks. You know, it's food contributions and debit card contributions. I'm going to assume roadiecare.com has been a lifesaver for you. It has been. And it's been that way for a
3: number of people. Um, If you go to the the com site, there's a link to the GoFundMe for me. There's also a link from the GoFundMe for my dear friend, Danny O'Neill. Danny's been with everybody from Matchbox 20 to Moody Blues. What people don't think about, you know, imagine what it would feel like to be in a position where you had to park your car in the neighbor's garage so the bank doesn't take it. Or, Mm. you know, get a letter in the mail that says, you're behind on your house payments, we're going to take your house. There are hundreds of thousands of us that are dealing with that on a daily basis. You can say, well, that's not right. Well, no, but it's business. And business that isn't affected by this pandemic or hasn't continued to be affected by it continues as business does. If you explain the situation to people, you know, a lot of them will try and work with you on stuff, but it doesn't make it go away. You know, and we don't want it to go away. We want to be able to do something about the things that happen on a, a daily basis, going to the grocery store, making the car payment, making the mortgage payment. You won't find any harder working group of people. I mean, who else who else do you know that would climb off a bus at eight o'clock in the morning, unload 20 tractor trailers, set up all of the gear, deal with setup and sound check, and do a show and then tear it all back down and put it in tractor trailers again and get on a bus and sleep for three or four hours and get it, get up and do it all the next day and be excited about it and do it right. for you know months at a time. The hardest working people that I know are in my industry. It doesn't matter what we need to do. We do that. If I had to stand on a street corner with a cardboard sign that said, I'll work on guitars for food, so that I could feed my family, that's what I'd do. And I can't think of anybody that I know that wouldn't do the same thing. The thing about it is, is that people that aren't in that position don't understand that it's a reality that's right around the corner for those of us who have been displaced by this, not because our company is sequestered and we're not working from home. You know, there's no company. There's no show. There's no venue. There's no bus to get on. There's no work to do. There's no nothing. And like Sandy mentioned, when it comes down to it, you know, a lot of folks haven't been able to get unemployment. Haven't been able to get through to try to get unemployment. Um, the PPP loans that are available from the federal government—they're geared for the quote-unquote, you know, gig worker or the bus company, the trucking company, the sound company, the lighting company, the guys like myself who have been employees of bands, we're not eligible for those forgivable loans or the long term low interest loans that the gig workers, the 1099 workers are eligible for. I've applied for a couple of things and absolutely turned down because I don't meet the criteria. But You know, when you can't get through to unemployment on the phone or via computer because the system was never designed to accommodate the vast numbers of people that are trying, you're just kind of stuck. You know, they put you in queue. Every week I get a phone call that says, you know, I know that it's been hard to try and reach us. No, it's been impossible for eight and a half months, and it's not going to get any better. Nobody's going to fix that before this is over with you know at this point people do have the ability to reach out and get with sandy and make something happen and i can't stress enough you know to go to the the website the roadiecare.com website and read about what it is that she's doing it doesn't matter if you can do a thousand dollars it doesn't matter if you can do a hundred it doesn't matter if you can do, you can, do 20, can you do five i've got a, a donation to my gofundme from a kid who sent a dollar And I don't know how old he is, but I got a message from him through the GoFundMe page. And uh, he said he was, you know, his parents listened to Van Halen and he loved listening to Van Halen. And he, I don't, I don't know how he stumbled on my story, but he read it. He said, I can only donate a dollar and I'm sorry for that. And it, it made me cry because, you know, he's only got a dollar and he gave, he donated it to me, you know. What do you What do you
1: say? You know, what do you say? Well, I would ask all these folks who are ready to get back to the concert going experience to consider, you know, the musicians are able to put out a virtual tip jar and perform in their living rooms. Um, you guys are not able to do that. Your story is behind the scenes. Let me ask you, Sandy. You know, you brought it up, but adopt a roadie, and, and there's various things on your site. We were talking about, you know, food. You can donate that and this that. What if somebody wants to adopt a roadie what goes into that?
0: Well basically it's not so much they adopt food I can't take a donation I've saved brussels sprouts because I have nobody to send them to. Um, however, What we've been doing is adopt a roadie is if you had somebody in particular you knew, such as Tom or Danny, you could adopt them for the month and they change out every month, month and a half or so, and two more people are spotlighted. So those would be the roadies you could adopt. Or if you knew somebody in particular you wanted to adopt and they were in need, then certainly that would be appropriate. Um, In other cases, uh, people just want to adopt a roadie, meaning it generally. And by that way, they would go ahead and contact me and we could go ahead and set it up like I did in the beginning where we would buy a gift card. And this is what I still do. We buy a gift card through, say, Target in a certain amount. And I have a whole long list of people that are in need. And if they wanted to go directly to that roadie in particular, I would have an email address and it would go directly from that person to that roadie. Otherwise, if they don't want to deal with buying a gift card, which is fine, um, our GoFundMe is up, they can donate to the GoFundMe, and then I take the money and flip it into a gift card of certain amounts, and it goes out to a family or to a single, whoever it is that's in need. Now, we have over 6 million people out of work in our industry in America nationwide right now, over 6 million in America that are food insecure. We have worldwide about 11 million. Right now, I'm taking care of American first. And once we're done here, because oddly enough, I've had so many calls from so many other countries wanting to know how they can help the American friends of theirs because they're fine, they're set, their governments are taking care of them. So they're not food insecure, they're not worried. So they want to know, they've heard on the news, they've seen what's been going on with us. They want to know how can they help us, which is really touching, you know, for me, at least to hear. hear, It almost feels like a virtual hug, you know, from other countries. And Tom will tell you, he has friends all over the world, as do everybody else at tours. You get to only see them in Germany or in some of the European festivals that they want to reach out and they want to help us. So everybody's telling me, don't worry about Europe worry about America right now. And that's what I'm I'm trying to do is make sure that we get us stabilized, our crews stabilized with their families. And again, it's not that our people don't want to work. Like Tom said, they're the hardest working bunch out there. The problem is is a lot of people are aged out, yet nobody will legally come out and tell them that they're not at the right age group. They prefer somebody who's 18. So they use you're overqualified. Mm. or this is, you know, we don't have something that would fit your skills or things along those lines. A couple of people I know are driving for Amazon, but let's be realistic here. Amazon only needs so many drivers. Walmart only needs so many stalkers or greeters. Target only needs so many people to unload the trucks. We have 6 million unemployed here. Where am I going to put them? And trust me, it's not like I don't try. When people call me and they say, I have a job for X amount of people, I throw it up on the site, people grab it, it's gone. You know, People wanna work if they're given the opportunity. Um, it's just, there isn't necessarily always places for them to work. And especially because they're spread out all over the country. Some places are more populous than others, you know? uh, like a larger, uh, like Los Angeles, you might have a better chance of getting a job than you do in Nebraska. Because just because there's not enough places to work in Nebraska or, or, or Wyoming or Montana or somewhere that's maybe not quite as, as populated as L.A. is. So it's not that they don't want to work. It's that there isn't anywhere to work. A lot of people have gone out and done anything they possibly can. They're pivoting. And God, I can't tell you how I'm trying to hate that word. <laughs> um, but it's so overused. But they have uh, Zito down in Nashville who I have to give a shout out to. He makes the most incredible cinnamon rolls made out of sourdough. So if anybody's in Nashville, go find Zito and eat those things, they're amazing. Um, then you've also got somebody like Zach Percival, who is uh, an A number one rigger. He, is, uh, he comes from a whole family of Perciples that all are in the industry. And uh, obviously they don't need any rigging done currently. So he has started up a dog collar and leash and uh, vest harness company. And they're great. They're absolutely amazing looking. He's doing that. Uh, Jason, another friend down in Nashville, has started a company called Sound Bites. And they're little cookies. And he donates all the money back to Music Cares to help them as well. Because, of course, Music Cares is much larger than I am. And they're able to provide a lot more services than I am. And when people are asking me for referrals for things that we can't do, Music Cares is one of the top three places that I send people because we've worked together so well for so many years. They are able to go ahead and handle much larger asks than I possibly can. So they have no problems with me sending them referrals. But... They need to be fed too. the big three, you know, music cares and actors fund and behind the scenes are huge to people in the industry. Those are the three, my go-tos when I need something or or not necessarily me, but when my people need something and they come to me with a a need greater than I can give, that's where I recommend they go because they they come through, they help out. And certainly we can't keep draining the well and not replenishing it because after a while they're going to run dry too. And the Actors Fund, who nobody would normally think would take care of us because they're normally for motion picture and TV, they adopted us. So they take us just like they take care of their own. They take care of us that well, which is a huge help. I know a lot of people have been helped by them. They're really, really great people. So uh, I can't thank them enough. And what we do that's different than them is we're emergency food. They are, if people need counseling, I can get them in at one of the other places. I can get referrals. Somebody at one of those three will help. If somebody needs rehab or somebody needs any of the other services, those are the places that I can send them. I had a guy just touching on the food situation. I had a guy call me early, I would say early on before the holidays, somewhere around the summer maybe. And uh, he called me and and it was late at night. Usually the late at night calls are really bad because in our industry, suicides have gone way up, murder suicides have gone up, domestic violences have gone up, uh, everything you really don't want to even think about has gone up negatively because of the stress of lockdown and the stress of you no know, food and no money and just all the, all the negative things. So the phone rang. And uh, I, I actually was dozing off and I grabbed it just because I thought, oh, and it was a gentleman and he was crying very softly. He was trying to be very quiet. And I said, what's wrong? And how can I help? It took him a minute. And he said, um, I had to put my kids to bed hungry tonight. And I said, tell me more. What, what happened? And he said, I'm uh, getting divorced. And this was my weekend with a kid. It was a long weekend. And I couldn't ask their mom to borrow money because then she would have known I didn't have any money. So I couldn't ask her. I'm like, okay, I understand. And he said, and I thought I could borrow some money from my friends, but they're all in the same, the same boat. None of us have any money. And I said, okay, I understand. And he said, I thought I had something in the house and I didn't. I said, okay. And he said, I thought I could borrow something from the neighbors. And he said, there was nobody home. I said, okay. There's no food pantries in this town. I said, okay. I said, what can I do? And he says, um, I don't want them to wake up hungry tomorrow. I said, okay, then you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send you a Target card. And I want you to wake those kids up in the morning. And I want you to take them to the store and get some groceries. So he took them to the store, got them up in the morning. They went to Target. Kids had a blast. They got bread and milk and eggs and all the basics. He had a long weekend with them. Had a great time. He calls me up couple days later I it's about four or five days later and he's crying and I'm like oh dude what's wrong is everything okay he's like yeah yeah he says these are tears of joy and I said really I said well tell me and he said well he said you know I've lost my family I've lost my career I've lost my job he said I've lost my home I've lost my wife. I've lost everything. He said, I didn't want to lose my children. And the thing that's most important with me is the time I have with them right now, because that's all I have. And he said, and you made it where I could actually have that time with them. And, you know, how do you answer something like that? I feel like I am the most blessed person in the world to have been able to facilitate that for someone. And for the other people that I've been able to make a difference, not just me, but all the people that have donated, all the people who have helped, all my friends that stood up when I needed them to in the beginning when I asked them, can you adopt a roadie? All the other people that have gone to the website and have contributed to Danny's fund and to Tom's fund, to the general fund on Um, all the kind uh, emails i have gotten. Certainly, I mean, with 6 million people out of work he's not the only one that's in the shape that he was in and we hope to help as many people as we possibly can and that's what it is about for me is to try to make a difference and i believe that we can and i believe we are and since we don't know when work is going to start whether it's going to be a one off here or there this year or whether it's going to go more or whether it's going to go next year or even the year after we're going to be here as long as there's a need and we're going to continue to help people and as long as people contribute I can continue to help as many people as, as we possibly can as our need.
1: You know that that story makes such a, a large impression and a fine point if that's possible in the sense that it's not just food and it's not just money to pay off the bills or the although those are primary but there's a lot of things happening behind when you're way of life, you're on the road and all this, all of these things change and people have a hard time dealing with that. It's nice to know that you're able to provide some sort of referral service and that that's part of this mission. You know, I'm going to ask uh, our listeners to become part of this story and write a better ending for it. And I'd like to ask you both, what else can our listeners do? Obviously go to the website, uh, there's the GoFundMe pages and those come up every month.
0: What else could they do? Uh, Reach to me and let me know how they'd like to help. Certainly sponsorships would be wonderful if people wanted to sponsor a group of rookies or if they had something in mind. Um, I'm open for options. I'm open for creative ideas. Tom, because you were out on the road and you mentioned earlier
1: some of these problems, you know, I'm sure you must know people who are taking advantage of what Sandy's doing and, and the joy that that is spreading and, and how much it is helping the situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. The problem that you have
3: in a situation like this, I know for me, how do you go from having people recognize you in a crosswalk in a small town somewhere that you've never been to being in a situation where you realize that you can count your friends on one hand and they're in the same boat you are. And what the heck do we do now? I think that the most important thing that everybody has to take away from this whole thing is here I am, I can say I was Ed Van Halen's guitar tech. I've been on tour with everybody. Have I made good money doing it? Yes, I invested it all in in the shop thinking that that was where I was gonna retire to And that's pretty much just gone. COVID happened to everybody. The thing that people have to understand is that if something like this can happen to me, it can happen to every single one of us. Those who have stayed working, God love you. You know, those who are working from home, wonderful. Please don't lose sight of those that can't. Remember how lucky you are to be making it through this and just give thought to those that aren't, because there's a boatload of them. And in times like this, it's, it, this is when we are responsible for taking care of one another because we can't take care of ourselves. I never thought that I would live to see the day where everything that I had planned and worked for my whole life would just disappear. But that's exactly what's happening. And it's not just me. I'm happy to be able to to be on a a program like this, to be able to say to somebody, you know, my life went down the drain. Don't let it happen to somebody else. And, And if it's not a roadie, it might be your neighbor. You know, it might be somebody in your own family that isn't willing to admit that they're having a hard time of it. You know, check up on people that you know. We all need somebody, especially now. We all need everybody. Because without everybody participating in what needs to be done, this is never going to be over. You know, it's, we're not going to ever learn enough to deal with it again. Because I don't think this is the last time, you know, we, we get past this one. When's the next one? When's the next one? Like I said earlier, you know, for, for ages, Musicians and crew, you know, we've been the ones that people have called on when there's a, a, an emergency someplace to hold a benefit concert, to raise money for flood victims or famine or whatever it is. There aren't any concerts, so what are we supposed to do now? Without the attention that people like yourselves are bringing to this situation, there isn't going to be anybody for us because we're the ones that people turn to and we don't know where to turn. We,
1: there isn't anything, you know. So, you know, I hope you all know that we have your back and, um, you know, we're pretty happy to get this show out and hopefully we can make some contributions to that, uh, rodycare.com and, you know, GoFundMe pages that are on that. I read uh, a very interesting note on the website, Sandy, and I'd just like to Kind of read out part of that someone wrote the show will go on again that's not even a question but we do need to make sure that everyone involved comes out of this healthy so i'd like to thank both of you for your time uh, for your efforts you know i'm hoping that we can help you guys um, get back to where you need to be and where we all need to be and i want to just throw out a little reminder that over the last year People haven't spent money on concert tickets. You haven't bought a piece of swag. You haven't bought the the t-shirt or the package deal or the front row seats. And if you can take one of those items that you would have done, you know, half dozen, 10, 20 times and give it to roadiecare.com, everybody will be a better person, I think.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. And certainly, you know, if If for whatever reason they're in a financially insecure spot themselves, anybody who wants to help, if they can just go ahead and spread the link or put the word out to their local papers or a podcast or an interview, anybody can reach me through the website. And certainly, you know, I'm sure Tom would be happy to speak as well and Danny as well about what it's like to be crew during this time. And how scary it is and what they're going through and what their thoughts are. So even if they don't have money that maybe they've got five minutes and they don't mind spreading the link around to roadiecare.com to different places or contacting their local news stations to tell our story or, or whatever they can do to get the word out, I would be immensely appreciative.
1: Well, I'm sure my friends and contacts in the biz and, and Steve's as well know uh, they'll be hearing from us, whether it's emails or certainly on Twitter, we'll, you know, trying to reach out. And and again, if, if you are unable to contribute, that's a great point, you know, share it and, and maybe it gets around and, and you get rather than one contribution, five contributions or 10 contributions. So, oh,
0: one, one other thing, I, there's some people that are under the mistaken thought that Save Our Stages helped the crew that the government did award a bunch of money, including Senators were under the impression, who I spoke with, said, didn't we just bail you guys out? I said, no, actually, what you did was save our stages, was you paid rent on some empty venues, but it had nothing at all to do with the cruise. That's great for the venues, not so great for the cruise. So I don't want people to think that we're just out there trying to get something for nothing. That's not it at all. We haven't been funded. I have immense respect for the other groups that are out there. Don't get me wrong. And they all have their causes just as I have mine. And we have ours, which is to feed people and to take care of them. And they feel they're doing, you know, what they need to do. And I feel I'm doing what we need to do, which is take care of the crews. So just so people understand, the crews have not been taken care of with any referendum or a bill or amendment by Washington. I am dealing with a couple of senators who hopefully are going to be able to do something, but it, in the short term, and probably in the long term, it doesn't appear that it's going to be anytime
1: soon. So com is where to go if you want to help the backline people who put these shows together that you love and miss. Thank you again for your time, Sandy. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Tom. We wish you the best. Awesome. Thank you so much for having Finally, technical issues being what they are, I'd like to close with something Tom said off mic for everyone to think about. Tom said, quote, guys like me wear black, so we blend into the shadows and the darkness of the show. An unfortunate side effect of that is that most people don't know we exist. So it's not so much that this pandemic has forgotten us. It's more that it never knew about us in the first place. Thank you all for listening.